Well, this is week six, day one, the example of Moses. And my name is Rob Walter, and I'm the student ministries pastor here at the church, and I oversee the high school ministry. And in this episode, I'm excited to welcome you to book four of the Psalms. And over the last two weeks, we've looked at how the road to restoration flows through a fresh vision of the Messiah and a return to the law of the Lord. At the same time, we buckled up on an emotional roller coaster of life that consists of many ups and downs, thanks in large part to the power of sin. We landed at Psalm 89, where we met Ethan the Ezraite, who spends the psalm reflecting on the promises made to Israel of an everlasting kingdom, of a Messiah. And Ethan the Ezraite admits that he is having an extremely difficult time seeing how God's promises would ever come true. And in his own words, he writes in Psalm 89, Lord, where is your former great love, which in your faithfulness you swore to David? Remember, Lord, how your servant has been mocked, how I bear in my heart the taunts of all the nations, the taunts with which your enemies, Lord, have mocked, with which they have mocked every step of your anointed one. And as we step into book four, we are left to wonder, would God remain true to his promises even when the people continued to fall short? We saw that the answer was emphatically yes, but we're still left with the problem of sin. What is God's plan to bring us out of this destructive cycle of sin? It's at this pivotal moment in the book of Psalms that we are introduced to a psalm that's one of a kind. Psalm 91 through 4 and verses 12-15 say, A prayer of Moses, the man of God. Lord, you have been our dwelling place in all generations, before the mountains were brought forth, or ever you had formed the earth and the world, from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. You return man to the dust and say, Return, O children of man, for a thousand years in your sight are as but yesterday when it is the past or as a watch of the night. So teach us to number our days that we may get a heart of wisdom. Return, O Lord, how long? Have pity on your servants. Satisfy us in the morning with your steadfast love that we may rejoice and be glad all of our days. Make us glad for as many days as you have afflicted us, for as many years as we have seen evil. Now, did you catch the author? Psalm 90 is unique in that it's credited to Moses and not to David or any of the other worship leaders. It's as if the psalmist is saying, if we wanna know if God is going to remain true to his promises, and what his plans are to bring about salvation, we should reflect on another salvation story found in the law or the Torah of the Lord, which is otherwise known as the first five books of Moses. That being said, let's meditate on Psalm 90 to help us understand how salvation leads us into God's presence described in Psalm 91 and 92. At the end of Deuteronomy in chapter 32, Moses is at the end of his life and he's about to turn the leadership of the people over to his successor, Joshua. Before he departs, he gathers the nation together and sings a song to them. 
And in this song, he praises God and recalls the journey that he has brought the Israelites on from Egypt to the borders of the promised land. Moses ends his song with these words in Deuteronomy 32 verse 46. Take to heart all the words I have solemnly declared to you this day, so that you may command your children to obey carefully all the words of this law. They are not just idle words for you, they are your life. By them you will live long in the land you are crossing the Jordan to possess. Psalm 90 is one of, another one of Moses' songs. It's similar to Deuteronomy 32 in that it takes a look backward so that we may gain a new perspective on the present. And what is this new perspective? In Psalm 90, Moses asks God to teach us to number our days aright, that we may gain a heart of wisdom. In verse 10, Moses notes that our days quickly pass and we fly away. Why introduce this particular theme at the beginning of book 4? Psalm 90 is a reminder that even the great generation of Moses struggled with sin, causing them to act in their own terms. Even the fathers of Israel placed more importance on their own limited perspective over God's divine and infinite perspective. If you reach back to the story of Moses for a moment, you'll remember this battle over perspectives is what influenced the famous golden calf incident in Exodus 32. Aaron and the Israelites only trusted in what they could see. So in full panic mode, thinking Moses had been destroyed by God's presence on Mount Sinai, they decided to construct a golden calf to worship. Yet just as God is about to destroy the Israelites for their lack of faith, Moses cries out to the Lord on behalf of his people. In Exodus 32, he says, O Lord, why does your wrath burn hot against your people, whom you have brought out of the land of Egypt with great power and with a mighty hand? Why should the Egyptians say, With evil intent did he bring them out to kill them in the mountains and to consume them from the face of the earth? Turn from your burning anger and relent from this disaster against your people. Remember Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, your servants, to whom you swore by your own self and said to them, I will multiply your offspring as the stars of heaven. In all this land that I have promised, I will give to your offspring, and they shall inherit it forever. And the Lord relented from the disaster that he had spoken of bringing on his people. Alas, this people has sinned a great sin, They had made for themselves gods of gold, but now if you will forgive their sin, but if not, please blot me out of your book that you have written. Again, that's Exodus chapter 32. The call for the Lord to return to his people in Psalm 90 echo Moses' call for God to relent in Exodus 32. Moses single-handedly advocates on behalf of Israel by appealing to God's covenant love. He's so passionate about saving the people of Israel that he offers his own life as a sacrifice. I love this imagery. Psalm 90 is a callback. Psalm 90 challenges us to remember that in order to end this ugly cycle of sin, we too are in need of a special representative to advocate on our behalf 
and lead us into the presence of the Lord. We need someone who can empathize with the human condition, who could approach God without being annihilated, someone who would be willing to lay down their own life to bring us into God's presence, and who would fulfill ultimately the covenant promises of God. Doesn't this sound familiar? Psalm 90 forces us to meditate on the law of Moses and to look for that one Moses-like mediator who would lay down his own life in order to make a way for his sons and daughters to enter into God's presence. Amazing. And guess what? It's at this pivotal moment in the entire book of Psalms that everything begins to change. Immediately, God's presence is highlighted as a theme that continues into Psalm 91 and 92. Psalm 90 verse 1 begins with, Lord, you have been our dwelling place throughout all generations. Psalm 91 echoes this sentiment and takes this thought even further as it begins with the classic line, Whoever dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. Psalm 90 begins with the phrase, Lord, you are our dwelling place, our home. And Psalm 91 begins with, Lord, you are our shelter, our refuge, our fortress. This is another passage of scripture that I would highly recommend that you read aloud. During uncertain and insecure seasons, I know many that have been encouraged and comforted by this chapter of the Bible. Now, I've been a youth pastor for many years, and I love to give students vivid illustrations to communicate the truths of the Bible. And I can remember teaching Psalm 91 on so many different occasions and telling stories from my own life, as well as familiar illustrations from TV shows and movies of storms. We seem to never be short of a good storm story. I've been in storms on top of mountains, on the ocean, and in lakes. We've all seen violent storms in the news. And when you're in a storm, there's nothing that you want more than a dry and secure shelter. And when you find it, your emotions go from terror and fear to peace and calm. And that's how God is presented here in Psalm 91. It says, Whoever dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He's my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. Surely He will save you from the fowler's snare and from the deadly pestilence. He will cover you with His feathers, and under His wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness will be your shield and rampart. As I work with students and with young leaders, I'm reminded that life is stormy sometimes. And there are so many pressures from all different angles. And our students face school pressures, social pressures, family pressures, financial pressures. All of it can feel overwhelming. And just as though we were in the middle of a violent storm, that's the way life feels sometimes. As adults, we often feel overwhelmed by the pressures of living and working and providing for our families here in the Bay Area. It can be uh, dealing with school issues with our kids or keeping in close connection with our extended family and friends. 
providing for our families in an unstable economy or navigating a myriad of other pressures. Where do we go to find shelter when life is stormy? And in Psalm 91, the Bible tells us to take shelter in God. God is our solid rock when the world is unstable. He's our dwelling place, our hiding place, our shelter. And when we're afraid or overwhelmed, we can go to God in prayer and find his peace and perspective. And in Psalm 91, verse 14, the psalmist writes, Because he loves me, says the Lord, I will rescue him. I will protect him, for he acknowledges my name. He will call on me, and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. With long life, I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. Today, your life may feel stormy. And if that's you, remember that you have a mediator who died for you so that you can be brought back into the presence of the Lord. So take some time to meet with God and to tell him the pressures that you're facing. Ask him for his strength and a new divine perspective. Let him be your shelter in the storm. The ministry of three crosses is available if you're in the midst of a storm. We have a dedicated team of prayer warriors that would be honored to support you in prayer. We also have a number of small groups and ministries that can come alongside you as you deal with the pressures of life. And all these resources can be found at threecrosses.org. If you're going through a storm, don't go through it alone. The title for Psalm 92 is A Psalm, A Song for the Sabbath day. And we know in the Ten Commandments given to Moses that God commanded the Israelites to set aside one day a week where they would do no work. On the Sabbath day, they were to rest, to be restored and reminded of God's provision and goodness to them. Not only did they rest, they considered it against the law to do any kind of work at all. In ancient Israel, the Sabbath day was on a Saturday. In the early days of the church, the church leaders adopted Sunday as the Lord's Day. In modern times, most Christians set aside Sunday as a time to be with the church, with their family, and away from work. This psalm reminds us to be in the habit of having a regular Sabbath. The psalmist writes, It's good to praise the Lord and make music to your name, O Most High, proclaiming your love in the morning and your faithfulness at night. He reminds us how good it is to pause and to remember the goodness of God to each of us. That's what Jesus does for us today. Our Moses-like mediator who gave us life as a sacrifice now advocates on our behalf and says, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. You'll find that verse in Matthew 11, verse 28 through 30. I hope that you're finding a fresh vision of the Messiah and a deep connection with God through this study of his word in the Psalms. And they remind us that others have felt the same emotions that we have, that they have received help from the same God who was faithful to them and has been faithful to us and that we have a permanent Moses-like advocate in Jesus. 
Today, I wanna to challenge you, stop in the midst of the storm and list out the many things that God has blessed you with. Can you bring them to Jesus this week? Do you have a Sabbath time set aside during your week to actively and intentionally express your gratitude to God? As we move forward in this Psalm series, I would encourage you to pay attention to the complete shift in tone now that we have met our Moses-like mediator.